From Outside's Healthy Living Group, this is HLG's Talk Healthy Today podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Davis. I hope everyone is doing great. I am super excited about 2022. I've got so many incredible guests coming on the show to help you live your healthiest lifestyle. That's what I love to do. I love to get great people here who can help you help yourselves. And boy, we've got a fantastic one today. Julie Wilcox is here to talk about her fantastic book, The Win win diet, how to be plant-based and still eat what you love. If you're looking to enhance your energy, prevent disease, reduce stress, Julie gives you a flexible plan. You can be a flexitarian, a pescatarian, a vegetarian, a vegan. We're going to go in on the ins and outs on all of that. We're going to talk about how to do it, how to transition. We're going to talk about delicious recipes and so much more. Julie is a wellness consultant, writer, teacher, and coach. She has spent her life exploring how to hone the body, mind, and spirit to become healthier, happier, balanced, and more productive. She believes in personalized solutions that speak to individual needs. Now, as a child... Julie trained as a gymnast under Russian coaches, which was an intensive experience. It taught her discipline, how to work incrementally, and how to achieve mastery. But it was really her deep study of yoga and nutrition that gave her the insight into the importance of balancing all aspects of her nature and character, and that allowed her to understand how to enhance her own well-being so that she could help others do the same. Julie Wilcox, welcome to Talk Healthy Today. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. Your book, The Win-Win Diet, How to Be Plant-Based and Still Eat What You Love, is amazing. I took copious notes, and I'm so impressed because I love a book that has a plan, and you give such incredible detail when it comes to actually how to go from being a flexitarian to a pescatarian and a vegetarian to a vegan, and I know I skipped a step in there, which you'll tell us about, but you also spend time telling us evidence in favor of the plant-based lifestyle style and the principles and how to transition. I, this is just amazing. When did you know that you wanted to write this book? Um, I went back to school for my master's of science in nutrition and dietetics in 2015. And I spent four years getting that degree actually. And I finished December of 2019, right before pandemic hit. So (laughs) I finished school and you know, getting back to work, I had let go of a lot of my, my clients for the period that I was studying was not seeming very optimistic at that time. And, you know, I've always wanted to, to write a book. I used to be a journalist. Um, and so I just, I sat down and, and, you know, plant-based eating and a flexible style and an achievable style of plant-based eating has always been my passion. Um, and that's what I wanted to share with people. So I just pounded the pavement for a year, 2019 to January of 2020. And that's how it, how it came about. Oh, that's awesome. First of all, let's let's establish what is a plant-based diet. A plant-based diet is any eating pattern that essentially emphasizes increasing intake of vegetables, fruits, legumes, whole grains, nuts, seeds, and plant-based proteins while reducing animal-derived foods and processed foods. You write in the book, quote, there are four major answers to the question of why plant-based diets are exploding in popularity today. Now, I want people to get the book, but if you can just talk about a, a, a couple of those four. Sure. Um, well, there's an incredible mindful f- mindfulness movement going on right now. Um, that's one reason, whether it's about how can we be 
more present and kinder to ourselves. Um, it's about being gentler with the environment and also animal welfare. So that's one reason. Um, another reason is, of course, because there are so many health benefits that come with a plant-based diet from enhanced energy to better sleep, stronger immunity, greater mental clarity and focus, of course, weight loss. And then since we have so many chronic diseases out there now that so many people are suffering from, plant-based eating has shown in many, many, many studies to reduce um, whether it's cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, cancer, stroke, hypertension, depression, all these things we're dealing with right now, it helps to manage, prevent, even treat a lot of these illnesses. Well, you have gorgeous skin. And I will say that when I'm more plant, I'm pretty plant heavy. I'm more of a flexitarian. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. I like my grass-fed organic beef. Um, not a I'm pescatarian, by the way. So Okay, cool. People will say, oh my God, you're such a glow. And it's like, I eat so many vegetables, lots of cabbage, lots of broccoli, lots of those good cruciferous vegetables, leafy greens, a whole nine yards, right? And it really does, I've seen a difference in people's skin when they change that. I'm super into beauty from the inside out, So, but you are, you are stunning. Thank you. Thank you. It's the antioxidants, the phytochemicals in the fruits and the vegetables. Um, They fight free radicals, which is what damages our cells, causes aging to happen, causes our skin to have, you know, a, a lack luster quality about it. Um, So when you eat those foods, you're actually really restoring and rejuvenating every cell of your body. So that's that's how we get that glow. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I love in part two in the guide, you have which diet is best for me. Tell us just a couple of the ways that you can determine this. I always suggest that people speak with their physician first, just to make sure that for them, whatever they're seeking to try is is going to be medically sound. Um, Then I ask people to really think about what are the foods they love and what are they willing to give up and not willing to give up. Because um, as I mentioned at the beginning, when defining a plant-based diet, it doesn't mean that you have to be vegan, that you have to go to the extreme. There is a place for the person who wants to eat a little bit of meat. There's a place for that person who wants to eat some fish, dairy, and eggs. Um, It spans the spectrum. So that's important because as we know from all the fad diets out there, total restriction and deprivation doesn't work. Um, So my book is helpful in that it shows you how with a certain amount of discipline and mindfulness combined with balance and personalization, you can really... um, still enjoy all the foods out there in the world, but with more of more consciousness and in moderation. Um, Other ways to assess whether any of these eating patterns are right for you. How much, you know, do you want to do for the environment? You know, what does animal welfare mean to you? And then of course, to evaluate emotionally and psychologically, like, is it going to be the healthy choice? Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. I also like the flexibility of it. You know, I think when people think plant-based, they immediately immediately think I've got to be a vegan tomorrow or yesterday, right? Like there's this pressure. But you're saying, listen, start where you're at, figure out what you want. You know yourself, look at the parameters and then decide. So let's start with the flexitarian. I mentioned at the beginning that I'm more of a flexitarian. What does that mean exactly? So flexitarians basically can 
eat from any food group and, and do, and they get to choose how they want to incrementally with small changes, reduce um, their consumption of animal source products. So that could be, maybe they decide they want to avoid processed meats. Um, and that would have, you know, contribute to less of a, a carbon foot, footprint, for instance, because so much of our meat is produced on factory farms. Maybe they want to eat just white meat instead of red meat. Um, maybe they want to choose healthier ways of cooking their meat. For instance, cooking meats at very, very high heats causes mutations in the proteins, which then can become carcinogenic. So, you know, they can choose to purchase organic, lean, pasture-raised grass fed local cuts of meat, choosing the highest quality and maybe having it more occasionally if cost is a problem. Um, so there are so many different ways that a flexitarian can adapt um, and still eat meat, for instance. They also can enjoy dairy and eggs in the same way, choosing higher quality products. And of course, for them, maybe if they're coming from being an omnivore, for instance, their challenge might be, how can I actually increase the fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains, uh, legumes, and plant-based proteins that I'm eating? Because it's not just about reduction. It's also about how can I increase the good things? Yeah, absolutely. And I think whether you're flexitarian, pescatarian, vegetarian, or vegan, you know, cutting down on the processed foods is so important. Now, I know with veganism, they have made some incredible leaps and bounds with the beyond meats and the different things like that and i'm not saying don't eat them at all but you don't want to make that like the principal meal right every single day that's like oh i want to have a hand it's almost like people are like well, i'm just gonna have a burger on the weekends or something of high quality you know i'd love to hear what you think about that because there are more and more go-to vegan convenience foods I know. yeah and i mean look i am an advocate of whole fresh foods um i think there is certainly a place to, you know, to enjoy, you know, some things like a Beyond Burger, Impossible Burger, um, other less pure forms of, of plant foods. Um, but there is such a thing as an unhealthy vegetarian or vegan diet as well. And that's when you rely on foods that, are, you know, still contain a lot of sugar and a lot of refined carbs um, or a lot of, you know, processed plant-based protein foods. And so, you know, you don't want to rely too heavily on those things. But again, in moderation, it's okay. The, the, the idea is to focus on whole, fresh foods. Yeah, I mean, my daughter loves these. Uh, I've nothing to do with this company, but they are delicious. Uh, Mikey's, they're like pizza pockets, but mm -hmm. they're vegan. And they're wheat-free, so it's cassava flour, and yeah, the cheese with the parentheses is a little more processed, but I'd rather her have that than like a mainstream hot pocket with factory-fed meat and factory-fed cheese, you know? So it's like you have to you have to pick, and sometimes it's important if you have these cravings, right? Again, when it's too restrictive, then it's it's just going to backfire, regardless of what, what you choose. I'd like to go to the pescatarian. Tell us about that. You mentioned that's what you do. Sure. So pescatarians don't eat meat, but they still enjoy fish, dairy, eggs, and of course, all the plant foods. Um, it's very similar to the Mediterranean diet, which all the research has shown is one of the healthiest diets out there. Um, fish, unlike red meats and, and white meats, are um, super, super healthy with omega-3 fatty acids, protein, vitamin B12, vitamin D, and of course, lots of vitamins and minerals um, apart from that. So so fish is, is wonderful to include in, in a diet if, if you like that. 
You know, I love fish, and yet I always find myself walking right by the fish counter. There I go. there, And I think, what am I doing? And then I think I feel intimidated. I don't know why. I don't think fish is probably that hard to prepare. Can you just kind of throw in how you like to prepare your fish and the different types of fish you like to eat? Because I bet I'm not alone in this, like, going right to the meat counter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I actually cover this in the book. Fish is one of the easiest foods to actually cook. You just can put some olive oil, some lemon juice, salt and pepper on it, throw it in the oven or saute it in a pan so you can bake it. You can, you know, grill seafood like shrimp or scallops, um, sauteed in a pan like a sole meunier is delicious. Um, very easy. You can throw some herbs and spices on it as well. Um, there are, you can steam it. You can put it in a parchment paper. Ooh, yes. I've done that once. That was amazing. And then it like completely forgot about it. It's it infused. You throw some garlic mm. in there, some ginger, again, herbs and spices and, and the, the steaming process in that parchment paper just infuses it with all those delicious flavors. So that's another thing um, that I think is really wonderful about this book is that I don't like to sacrifice taste um, and I don't want anyone else that I work with or out there in the world to have to either. So I think it's really important to know that you have great recipes to, to rely on for all the categories for the flexitarian, pescatarian, vegetarian, vegan that, you know, tastes wonderful. Now, do you have like a go-to fish that you like to make? I'd say sole is my favorite. So I, the sole mernier and then also a panko, panko crusted sole is another one that I make. And that's in the book. Um, so for people that like chicken milanese or veal milanese, that's like a great alternative option. I do enjoy shrimp too. I have a wonderful lime shrimp taco in the book. Yeah, I made that. It was amazing. Yeah. And, and scallops too. Yeah. Ooh, love scallops. What's it like creating the recipes? Seems like fun. It's fun. It's fun. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but you know, I enjoy being a creative cook. I'm actually ironically not someone who's ever really been able to follow a recipe myself. The only recipes (laughs) I can actually follow are the ones I create and make. So I've been doing that for a really long time. And when I wrote the book, it just came down to, drawing from some, some discipline to actually sit down and then write it all out. Um, and that was an interesting process. And I worked with a food editor on that. Um, so it was fun. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love this whole transition. You have a, a phase one, which is two weeks. You have a phase two, three, you know, and you talk about the portion size reduction of substitution and you go from omnivore to flexitarian, flexitarian to pescatarian, pescatarian to vegetarian and vegetarian to vegan. And I love that because then it really helps people be like, okay, so I'm an omnivore, but I want to try this, but I'm not really sure what to do. Okay. Oh, here's what I do. I mean, you make it so easy and accessible, which is wonderful. Yeah. So the way it works is within an eight week period, as you mentioned, there are two week subdivisions. So the first two week two weeks focuses with any transition food group you're working on. So if it's um, omnivore to flexitarian, you're going to be reducing your meat. If it's flexitarian to pescatarian, you'll be going from what ends up being more of a white meat diet to just the fish and then eliminating the fish and so on and so forth. Um, but so the first two weeks is reduction of portion size. The next two weeks is about reducing your meal frequency. So say you're eating meat three times a day, you reduce it to two. Or if you're eating it twice a day, to one. So that by the end of that two-week period on any given day, 
you're only having one meal that has that transition food in it. Um, and then the, the last two weeks of the six week period is about the reduction of the days on which you're eating it. So say now you're eating it five days a week, you would cut that in half the first week. So you'd eat it on three or two days. And then the second week again. So at the end, you'd be at zero. The final two weeks after you go through this transition period of the six weeks is for adaptation. So I give people wiggle room to really evaluate their bodies, do the assessment checks that we spoke about and um, really see if it's, if it's right for them, if they're feeling good, if this is where they want to stay, if maybe they need more time than, than they've had already to adjust and adapt, or maybe they need to add a little bit something from what they were eating before back into the diet. So it's not doctrinaire. It's about personalization. It's about what's right for you. Hi, it's Lisa. Just wanted to pop in real quick and just say, I am doing a book giveaway for my book, Clean Eating, Dirty Sex. It's a cookbook, a memoir, a healthy lifestyle guide. It's not about dirty sex. It's a play on words. And anyway, it's really about overall health. All you have to do to enter is just sign up for my monthly newsletter. It takes a second. Just your name, boom. Your email, boom. And you're going to get great information, great tips, great recipes in the newsletters, as well as find out some big, exciting things that I have coming up that you don't want to miss. So go to lisadavismph.com today. All right, back to the show. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I love this too. I'm big on journaling. You have journaling exercises. You write, here are three sets of questions that will help you evaluate where you are with your transition. The set one is the experience. Set two is the well-being check. And set three is a medical check. Kind of walk us through each of those. Yeah, so as I mentioned, always check in with your doctor. That's number one. Um, Number two is, are you satiated? Are you feeling that you are getting what you need in terms of hunger and fullness, in terms of are you getting enough variety in your diet? Are you bored? Because if you're bored, that's going to lead you to a pitfall, you know? Um, so I really want people to tap into, you know, what, what they're experiencing, the experience of, of the transition. Then emotionally, are you Um, Are you feeling content? Are you feeling frustrated? Are you irritable? Are you angry? You know, food affects us in all these ways. And if you're experiencing these negative emotions, that too is not going to serve you well. So I want people to just check in and make sure that they're in a positive space on all three levels, physically, mentally, and, and emotionally. Are you focused? Are you distracted? Are you thinking about food all day is the third one, you know, because again, when we start to diet and make changes to what we're eating, preoccupation becomes a problem for many people. And that's why I also, again, try to just give time. I don't want people to rush things. This is not a fad. This is a diet I want to last people for life. Yeah, that's what's so key. It's a lifestyle. I love mindful eating. I like I get excited about it. I love when I'm by myself. No offense to my lovely my loving family, <laughs> but and I usually I, I don't practice it enough with like just regular foods. I tend to practice it when it's like something special, like no gadgets, no devices, no books, no nothing. And I just sit and every bite, you know, I don't think you have to do this, but I like close my eyes and I just taste the flavor, the sensation, the whole thing. I love it. I eat it slower. 
I like savor it. Like I watch, I'll give my daughter something. She, you know, that's special. She's 17. And in like two seconds, it's gone. I have a 15 year old. It's the same thing. I'm like, no, don't just savor for goodness sakes. Come on. The show will still be there in five minutes, but right. oh, it's like an ongoing thing. She loves to watch TV when she eats. And I said, it just leads to mindless, mindless eating. Now she's 17. She's slim and you know, the whole thing, but someday, you know, those habits, you know, you're going to change as you get older. But anyway, your, your child does that too. She's 15. Um, she too is, is slim and, you know, she, but you know, the food hits the table and she dives in and oh, she's yeah. done in a second. And I have to sit there eating while she's just watching me, you know, and I don't let her leave the table. I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't go on to the next thing. Um, as you said, it's, it's about creating habits that, you know, will serve you, um, for life. And it does start young. So for people, People that do have children, I think it, the mindful aspect of all this is is so important, as well as for us who are already adults. It's about tapping into your hunger and fullness cues. You know, where on that scale from one to ten are you? Are you actually starving? Are you kind of hungry? Are you neutral? And you know, you just need a little bit to like tide you over. Um, or are you satiated? Or are you very full? Are you overfull? So there actually is something out there called the hunger fullness scale that you can check in with um, to see where you are so that you have an intuitive understanding of of whether or not and how much you know you should be eating and portion size is a is a huge problem for so many and in another place where mindfulness tools can be really really helpful the other thing that they're great for is um to set up an environment as you said whether it's gadget free but also nice music dim lighting um you know just a calming atmosphere that can help you make the right choices that you know will will serve you well in terms of just, you know, not encouraging overeating or, or, you know, cravings because you're, you know, watching the television and just unconsciously, you know, dipping into a bowl of, of chips or, or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, also stress causes us to sort of engage in these bad habits. So just having that environment set up to reduce any stressors is really important. And lastly, how we use our senses. You mentioned that it's not just the taste, the savoring the food, but look at your food. Food is a beautiful thing. Let it be an art. Experience that. Listen to its sounds. Feel the texture. Taste it. Um, it's all so important. As you said, it helps you slow down. It helps you just in, enjoy it, make it an experience and, and not um, in, engage in just senseless you know, habits that, that will take you probably to a place that you may end up feeling guilty about and, and not so good about yourself with. Yeah, I completely agree. I love this in nurturing yourself. You write, quote, establishing any new nutrition habit, behavior, or routine requires discipline, patience, perseverance, and self-love. Creating a life change is not always fun. You will be frustrated at times. And I think that's so true. It's like to to have that part of it, right? That emotional part where you're like, oh, I screwed up. And you also go on to say you think you are a failure. You will mess up. You'll get tired. You'll give in to your cravings. And guess what? That's normal, right? And just you just got to get back on and figure out what works for you. Yeah, I think um, of mornings as being the daily reset period. So if you had a bad day one day, just forget about it. You'll wake up the next morning. I like to encourage some routine 
eating habits. So having a relatively consistent breakfast on many days of the week, that helps with the reset. So you know that if something went awry on the previous day, you wake up and you know what you're going to have. It's going to be your healthy antioxidant smoothie in the morning with your homemade granola. And so you're setting yourself up for success, like right away in the morning, you know, um, you know, I, so in addition to breakfast, I, I think lunch also is important to have as a, as one of the steadier meals, having some nice vegetables in a salad or soups um, with some kind of whole grain crostini or open faced toast. Um, I have some recipes for those in the book um, or almond flour tortillas. Um, so again, like, you know, like going into every day, you're going to be good to go. If you have two healthy nutrient rich meals, in your wheelhouse already. And then at dinner time, you know, I like to vary it up a little bit, have different things, whether it's, yes, I eat pasta sometimes, <laughs> um, and, you know, fish, vegetarian bowls. Um, if you eat fish or, or chicken or meat, you can have that on the occasion. Yeah. Again, that flexibility I love. I want to go into this next part where you you kind of you give advice on steps in implementation, and you have how to become you know all the different things: flexitarian, vegan, pescatarian. Let's let's focus on pescatarian. You have adopt meatless Mondays. Uh, de- decide which types of fish you want to include in your diet. Uh, eat at least eight ounces of fish per week. Uh, learn about the aquaculture industry and its sustainability practices. I mean, like I said, you give us all, oh, okay, oh, Meatless Monday, oh, cool, ooh, I want to learn. And then you start looking around and go, oh, this is so cool, and you get excited. (laughs) Again, I just love all the advice you give. Yeah, well, I want to make it exciting for people and and unique, so a lot of the books out there that I've read and I have read many don't really talk about the aquaculture industry when talking about pescatarianism or, you know, talking to your fishmonger and finding out where is this fish from, you know, um, is it local? Is it imported? Um, is it fresh, you know, or has it been previously frozen? The more informed you can be about what you're putting into your body, the better off you are, no matter what what it ends up being, at least you're making a choice. Um, so that's that's what the steps and the implementations are really about, is about helping people to become informed, helping them understand what nutrients they need on in any one of the given eating patterns, um, how to cook, how to make the food taste, you know, really nice. Um, and and I, I think it, it's really helpful to have... have very direct um, information there that that can help you through the transitions. Well, I'm making fish for dinner. I mean, I am not passing the fish counter. I got to go to the store. I'm excited. I like haddock. What do you think of haddock? Is that similar to sole? Um, it is a white fish. It's a little bit right. meatier than sole, okay. um, but it is it is a good fish, um, and it's it's very tasty. Um, so I think that's a great choice. <laughs> All right, let's go through some of your great recipes. I'm looking at your scrambled eggs with avocado, and I love that you have little symbols F and a little circle P and V E. So you've got flexitarian, pescatarian, and vegetarian. And I know I need to eat more avocados. I, I was eating like an avocado a day. I stayed satiated and full all day. I just kind of fell off the avocado wagon. I didn't mean to. It wasn't conscious. I would just go to the store and they, none of them were ripe or they were overripe. And now I like even today, like I had lunch, I had quinoa with sauteed tomato, green beans and some organic chicken sausage. 
and I'm super hungry right now. And I'm like, I don't understand why I'm so hungry. I'm like, aha, yes, I used some um, avocado oil. I should have put avocado, I mean, olive oil on top or something, right? Because I'm missing that fat. Mm-hmm. And for me, I my body likes a good amount of fat. So anyway, I just love the eggs with avocado. Yeah. And absolutely about the fats. It's, um, you know, as long as you're eating healthy monounsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats, right. That's, that, that's really in, important to have in your diet and you're, you're good to go. It's really the saturated fat and the triglycerides, um, cholesterol that you want to be more wary of. Avocado is wonderful with having a lot of monounsaturated fat and fiber too. And that, and so it's the fiber that you're probably missing as well. That helps to feel full. Yes. Did I say green beans? You did say green beans. Oh, good. (laughs) It was pretty good. Uh, I'm just still hungry. So it's crazy. All right. Let's go to the vanilla chia seed pudding with cardamom. Oh, I love cardamom. And this one is everything. This is for everybody. It's got (laughs) chia seeds and almond milk and vanilla bean. Uh, I love that. Cinnamon, cardamom. And uh, optional toppings of maple syrup or berries or fruit of your choice or walnuts. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's delicious. And again, yes, these uh, many of these res- recipes are, are quite simple. Um, there's a couple that are, are less, but you have a touch like the cardamom. Most people don't think of, you know, throwing cardamom into their chia seed pudding or it could be organic um, overnight oats or or oatmeal or amaranth porridge. It's one of those spices that I think is underutilized. And that's why I just wanted to throw it in there. I want people again to, to learn new things, taste different things. I am so glad you brought up amaranth porridge. I completely forgot about that. There was years ago, I was on this kick and in the winter, it's so nice. And you heat it up, some cinnamon. I love it. Yeah. It reminds me of when I ate cream of wheat as a child. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But it's a healthier version. So it's yummy. (laughs) Oh, here's your tofu scramble. I love that you use saffron and turmeric. Yes. That looks so good. Both really, really good for you. Um, The saffron gives it that rich yellow color that eggs have naturally. Um, And the turmeric is anti-inflammatory. And they just make a delicious coupling in that dish. And you can add some veggies to it if you want. Oh, that seems so nice. I'm looking at your uh, vegan thumbprint corn muffin. (laughs) I love corn. That's, yeah, I love that one. (laughs) That's a great accompaniment um, to, for instance, my morning antioxidant smoothie. So to your point of just making sure that um, you're you're full enough. Uh, For me, oftentimes with just a smoothie, that doesn't do it for me. So I'll add some of my homemade granola on top, or I'll have a side of the vegan thumbprint corn muffin, or maybe the three seed bread or the whole wheat zucchini bread. And again, my portion sizes are not what you would see down the street in the, in the coffee shop or the, or the deli, you know, these gargantuan muffins, but they're just big enough to give you that deliciousness and sweetness and you know they're all made with um whole grain flours so you don't have to worry about the the refined carbs oh that is so good all right i'm looking at your lunch mains i mean you've got some great ones avocado toast with tempeh tomato and mustard venet how do you say that veganese veganese it's a combination of vegan and mayonnaise (laughs) yes yes I, i i should know that Ooh, almond flour tortilla flatbread almond flour is amazing customize customizable crostini is there any of these i mean i can talk about all of them but is there anyone that just like for your lunch mains that you wanted to 
highlight? You know, I have to say the um, the tempeh toast uh, is delicious. The tempeh and avocado toast, love that one. Um, my go-to salad is what I have on most days with an almond flour tortilla. So again, just to have something extra on the side there a little bit, the almond flour takes me over that edge of still feeling hungry to, okay, now I'm feeling good, you know? Um, I think those would be my most common lunches. This week I actually made the um, egg salad with dill and, again, veganese and, and Dijon mustard on a olive oil toast. That is to die for. <laughs> well, you know, I'm looking at this flash-fried kale salad with eggplant and walnuts. I love eggplant. But I feel like the only way I'm going to eat it is if there's so much olive oil that it kind of gets so soft, like it melts in your mouth. But I feel like you have to use so much oil. Is Do you flash fry that or is that just a kale that's flash fried? Um, I the, the eggplant takes a little bit longer. Um, you need a little bit of oil when you saute it in the pan for this recipe, for instance. Um, what... I do, which really helps, is I press the eggplant down with the spatula in the pan. And so you don't need as much oil as you think because what happens is it soaks up so much of it. So if you just put a little bit in at the beginning and then you press it firmly down with the spatula, it releases what you've already put in there out and it continues to cook it and make it soft and and yummy, as you're saying you like it. Another way to cook eggplant... Um, to get it really soft is there's a Middle Eastern eggplant recipe in there with some tahini and some chopped tomatoes and cucumbers. You can bake it in the oven and you just drizzle a little olive oil on it for that. That's another uh, technique that's really good. And one that is not in this book, but will be in my next book is how you um, cook the eggplant over the gas stove. So you actually hold it with tongs over the flame. And you just rotate it over the flame. You don't put anything on it, actually, at the beginning until it's literally the softest, most silky thing you've ever put in your mouth. Um, Then you drain it of the water, and then you can slice it. And then you can just add a little olive oil then. And it's as much or as little as you want for for flavor. Um, And that you can eat in in many different ways, whether you just want to kind of eat it out um, you know, in, in a halved manner, or if you want to mash it or make like a baba ganoush, that's how you do all those dishes. Oh my gosh. You know, I would give anything for a gas stove. <laughs> I cannot stand our burners. I'm like, geez, take what it do forever. You have? What do you have? Just a regular electric. electric. Oh, yeah. I got to talk to my husband. We've been talking about getting, you know, what, at this point we have four burners and only two of them work. I'm like, seriously, can we please figure this out? But then time goes by all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's right. We should get the, we should get the stove fixed. All right. Let's move on to plant-based meatballs. These are flexitarian, pescatarian, and vegetarian. This looks really good. I love that it has quinoa. I love quinoa, a bulgur or a combination of both. And then you've got garlic and you've got, they, oh, they have vegan Parmesan, which my daughter loves because she and I I don't eat dairy and you know and again i know it's more processed but it's fun right just to add a little bit uh how is that recipe that looks really good that's that's unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> i'll be making that uh, only one of my favorites um i love it on a bowl of spaghetti in your very traditional s- style with tomato sauce um also it's a great side for the go-to salad um then i i might switch it up a little bit and do it with my homemade pesto. There's a Ligurian style pesto recipe in the book as well. Um, So yeah, they're really yummy. And for meat eaters who have tried them, I have to tell you, they do not miss the meat at all. Really? (laughs) What was that word you used in front of the pesto? Oh, uh, Ligurian style pesto. 
Yeah, what is that? Liguria is a region of Italy where, yeah, pesto is from. Oh, nice. All right, so that's awesome. All right, so I'm looking at your guacamole, which looks amazing. So tonight I'm going to have get my get my avocados back on board. I'm going to get some fish. I'm going to make your guacamole, which looks simple and delicious. Yeah. So many good recipes. Ooh, pan fried. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oil, <laughs> olive oil, French fries. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh my again, God, trying to good. satisfy things that I know people love to eat. But, you know, rather than, you know, going out to a restaurant or ordering in your French fries that are, you know, soaked in a lot of animal fats, like you can make them right at home with olive oil in the oven or in the pan and they're delicious. Yeah. You know, I need to make my own lentil soup. I tend to rely on Amy's and it's great. No. Yeah. Amy's. And it's great. But. I need to just make a big pot of soup, and I like this because it's, it's again, n- these are not complicated recipes, which I really love. Right. And especially this season, like the winters, I'd love to say it's going by quickly because it's been brutally cold. Um, so I got to get my soup on as well. Oh, uh, the lentil soup is a good one. Other ones that I love are the butternut squash, and there you get to experiment with using cashew cream as opposed to nice. regular cream. So, um, again, full of healthy fats and proteins. Mm. Um, gives great flavor to the butternut squash soup. There is um, some pepita seeds that are toasted that you top it with. Um, so that's a really great one. I also love the uh, the creamless, creamy broccoli soup. That's what I was going to bring up because I have not had cream of broccoli soup since I was a kid. Yeah. And I would love to try this because you have to come back. So I got, I got to do a bunch of cooking <laughs> because this this just looks really, really good. Yeah, uh, it's it's divine, and you know it's one of those things. I just remember I've always loved broccoli. Actually, a lot of people have been asking me as, as I'm doing all these interviews, "What's your favorite vegetable?" Which is such a hard question because I love them all, but <laughs> for some reason, broccoli rolls off the tongue. I love it, um, and you know you go to to restaurants and stores, and again, it's like it's always the cream cheddar cheese broccoli soup option and you look at those menus and you're like i want it so badly and you're you tell yourself but no i shouldn't and and you know why go through that you can have the exact same thing but with really healthy nutritious ingredients and you can make it at home um and you're not missing out on anything there's no fomo (laughs) oh my gosh i love that oh here's what you'd mention in dinner i'm gonna say this wrong sol how do you say that mernier I'm like the queen of mispronouncing things with sautéed zucchini and pan-fried olive oil French fries. Okay, I think that's what I'm having for dinner. Okay, <laughs> what time are you coming over? <laughs> you can help me out. No, I'm right. gonna. No, I can figure this out. That looks really good. Ooh, and then there. Oh, I love bonza. I love bonza pasta. It's so good. People that feel you know that they don't want to be eating a ton of pasta. Um, I understand that. You know, you you want to keep your consumption of the white refined pasta again to moderate and you can so switch it up have the bansa instead the chickpea flour have whole wheat spaghetti instead um you know though and corn flour pasta is another one that's my favorite um you know people definitely have their preferences about which ones they like and don't like i'm not as big of a fan of the ones that are made out of brown rice or quinoa Maybe you are or someone else's. I don't know. But um, those three options are all in the book, the corn, the whole wheat, and the bansa. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I got into cassava flour pasta recently, 
It is kind of, even when it's cooked all the way, it still kind of has a grainyish texture, but I still like it. It has a really mm-hmm. nice, light flavor. That's yeah, there are one some... I haven't tried yet. Oh, yeah, to... I would recommend it. I'd recommend the shells over the spaghetti. Okay, yeah, the shells, it makes a like, big difference, right? I don't notice it as much, but with the spaghetti, it's just... The texture is a little funny, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, here's that, uh, the inspired pesto. How do you say that? Liguria. Liguria. That looks good. Oh, my God. I love shrimp scampi. Oh, and here's that uh, panko-crusted sole with sautéed spinach and wild rice, baked stuffed sweet potato. Ooh, cumin-infused black beans. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> As you can see, also, like, I really compose full meals for people, and that was a decision I made when I was writing the book. Um there are a few things that are just on the, on the side as sides, but generally for dinners, especially I try to compose the whole meal. So people don't have to think about, okay, well I'm making the sole tonight, but what am I going to have as my vegetable on the side? And what am I going to have for the more filling component in the whole grain component? Or, you know, is it going to be a potato or a sweet potato? So I really wanted to round out the full meal for people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my daughter loves seitan. I'm mm-hmm. looking at this seitan piccata with kale and quinoa. That looks really good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really popular in the vegan world, actually. Oh, I bet. Um, seitan piccata, I've definitely seen out there on many restaurant menus at vegan restaurants. So oh, wow. That I had that in mind for, for that population who's pretty accustomed to seitan and, and really enjoys it. Um, I think as people are transitioning, I'm not sure what you think, but, um, I, I feel like tofu maybe comes first, um, then, then tempeh, then seitan, um, you know, that, that's maybe a truth may not be a truth, but, um, you know, people have their different, different preferences taste wise, um, and texture wise also. Um, so I just encourage everybody to try each of those out and, and see which ones they like. The tempeh is wonderful in the taco recipe in this book as well. Yeah, that has that has a nice um, texture, right? Like you can really bite into it. Yeah, you can crumble it up just like you would um, ground meat, and I mix it in in that recipe with asparagus and mushrooms and some tomato sauce, and yeah, it works really well. Oh, cool. Speaking of sauce, I love that you have a whole sauces and dressings. You have the pesto you talked about. You have a tahini dressing with herbs and spices, a cashew cream, balsamic vinaigrette. Because sometimes you just, you have leftovers in the fridge. You might have a bunch of vegetables and a thing of quinoa and you're like, what am I going to do? I don't really want to cook. Oh, but I can throw together you know, one of these recipes. Exactly. Maybe there's a little cooking, but, you know, it's not like a full meal. Yeah, and there are also things that you can make at the beginning of the week and just keep in the fridge for the whole week. So, you know, when you have a salad, you have your dressing ready. When you have a vegetarian Buddha bowl, for instance, you can have your tahini ready for that. Um, Or like you said, leftovers from any of the meals. It just just makes it so much easier to do some prep in advance and have it ready and waiting for you. Well, let's jump into desserts. Uh, I'm definitely going to make this. Uh, this is for everybody. Vegan chocolate mousse. We've got cashews, plant-based milk, unsweetened cocoa powder, vanilla, maple syrup. It's a very small amount of sugar, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anything chocolate. Yeah. I mean, I can do any diet, but not if they said you can't have dark chocolate. I'd be like, see ya. Yeah. And, I mean... I definitely have a sweet tooth, so, so these desserts help to satisfy that as well as things are that are not in the book. Um, but, um, you know, you can have the sweetness come from organic maple syrup. It doesn't have to be white table sugar, and it tastes just as, as 
excellent and you're not um, causing blood sugar spikes and insulin spikes, um, nor are you getting, you know, the calories that, that come from that. So much better to, to make choices in favor of maple syrup or even honey and agave when you're doing the desserts. Oh, yeah. You know, I've heard about vegan ice cream, but I don't like bananas. Mm. I'm wondering if you take frozen mango, like I would let, I take frozen mango out. I'd let it sit and defrost. And when I bite, I'd bite into it, it almost has like a creamiest, creamiest texture. Mm-hmm. Have you ever made vegan ice cream with mangoes? I wonder how that would work. I might try it. I actually haven't, but I have, I haven't made fruit sorbets, but if you have an ice cream maker, Ooh, true. I would encourage you to try to make a sorbet because I have made chocolate sorbets with my ice cream maker and that is a really easy way, um, I think, to work work your fruits in like that. Now, when you make your chocolate sorbet, is that with the with the nut milk base or just with water? Because the sorbet is like fruit and the water rather than a, a cream of some sort. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. Cocoa oh my pepper. god, do you even have for chunky monkey with your uh, <laughs> your yeah. ice cream? Yes, vegan chocolate chip cookies. Oh, these look good. Oh, Okay, so you use wheat flour in these. Do you ever whole wheat? Yeah. Do you ever make them with almond flour? I don't. I don't. Um, the I've been making chocolate chip cookies forever, even since I was a kid. Um, typically, the original um, recipe off the back of the the Toll House, the Nestle. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I wanted to develop a, um, healthier, healthier recipe that's plant-based. Um, so the whole wheat flours just gives it a richness and a little bit of a sweetness. So you don't necessarily need as much sugar. It goes really well with, um, the flax seeds. There's flax egg in that as well. Um, so it's, it's also about the combination of ingredients. Um, and those, I like to keep the dough in the freezer. So every time I want one, you can just have it fresh bake. You take it out of the freezer, you pop it in the oven and, um, it's all melty and <laughs> I'm going to have to warm. slip you my address. <laughs> oh my God. Cookies. How sweet. Joking. I'll make it myself. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. Um, okay. Now to finish off, I love that you have meal plans. So in the back of the book, you got the flexitarian meal plan. Oh my gosh. You have more than one. You have two and then you've got a couple for pescatarian. I, again, this book is so incredibly great. I love doing this show because I want to help people and empower them to live their healthiest life. And I want to have people on that are going to do that. So you actually, you get Julie's book and guess what? You're going to be like on your way to any of these four things that you want to do. And she walks you through every step of the way. So again, Julie, I just commend you. Again, the win-win diet. It's awesome. Thank you so much. And the meal plans, it's um, necessary to understand how to build your your meals and combine the foods throughout the day. I contemplated vigorously whether or not I should provide one for each eating pattern or two. (laughs) And I decided the extra work work would be worth it to make sure that people had, you know, enough that they could then use to make their own meal plans after they have two weeks worth for any given eating pattern. And then, then it's, it's easy enough to mix and match and with all the permutations and com- combinations, create your own. Well, it's great. Julie, was there anything you wanted to add today? And I definitely want to have you back. I got to do a bunch of cooking and then come back and we'll talk about it. Yeah, no, I'm just really excited um, to put this book out there. Um, I I hope people enjoy it, um, get something out of it, even if it's, you know, small changes. I want everybody to know that it's even the small changes make a huge impact. Again, 
on your health, on the environment, on animal welfare. Um, you're killing three birds with one stone, um, and you'll feel great, and you'll look great, and you'll be a great parent and a great friend and a great family member. And, you know, we forget about those things, um, how food really affects every aspect of our being. You're so right. All right. Tell us all the ways we can find you on social media. You can find me at Julie Wilcox Wellness on Instagram and Facebook. JulieWilcoxWellness.com is my website and simply my name, Julie Wilcox on LinkedIn. Oh, great. Julie, thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Keep coming back to Talk Healthy Today. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Please do rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And also, if you want some behind the scenes on Talk Healthy Today or a chance monthly to win my book, Clean Eating Dirty Sex, which is a memoir, cookbook, healthy lifestyle guide, it's the title is just a play on words, please go to www.lisadavismph.com. Sign up for my newsletter. And once a month, you'll be getting some great information as well as being entered into a contest to win my book. So again, go to www.lisadavismph.com. Get more on Talk Healthy Today and keep coming back. There's always great information. Thank you.